And Rahel, new data shows that Americans are piling up credit card debt as they struggle to keep up with inflation. The Fed, of course, raising rates again, which means these credit card bills are probably going to cost even more. Yeah, credit card rates have really uh, spiked this year. And we know, according to this new research from the New York Fed, uh, that credit card debt has jumped about 13% for the second quarter compared to the same time a year ago. Jake, that is the highest yearly jump in about 20 years. Uh, so there is that, certainly enough to make you pay attention. Still feared by a lot of analysts to come the fall because of inflationary pressures that the price of oil is going to go back up again. But let me just drill down on what you said a moment ago about the war in Ukraine. We heard this president say over and over and over again, we heard every aide that, that was willing to you know, speak in front of a, a microphone say, it's Putin's price hike, it's Putin's price hike, it's Putin's price hike. You pointed out the war in Ukraine is still raging and prices are coming down. So what about this idea that this was Putin's price hike? Many people say that's a fallacy because the war is still raging and prices are coming down. Well, um, it's not a fallacy. Uh, if you look at the charts... So why are prices going down? Look, I, I'll explain. The prices start going up as soon as Putin starts uh, intervening in the energy market in Europe. No, no, they actually weren't. Uh, they were going up. They were going... No, that's just factually not true. They, Inflation is stretching the dollar of many Texans, so much so that it's leading to a food insecurity in the Lone Star State. Our Michael Lozano takes us to Fort Worth, where the local food bank says they're being stretched thin. The Tarrant Area Food Bank says that they feed more than a 1,000 families just at this massive distribution center on a weekly basis. And with the increase of inflation in products and groceries, many residents are flocking here seeking help and resources. It's a long wait, but honestly, every little bit helps. It's a way to launder Milan is willing to weather. I think the longest I've waited was about two hours. She's one of hundreds in line at this Tarrant County distribution site in need of groceries. Bread, cereals, stuff like that, just kind of uh, pantry items. The 24-year-old lives with her family. They all have jobs, but the U.S.'s largest inflation increase in 40 years is spreading their dollar too thin. But with inflation, you know, everything is like four times more than what it used to cost. The Tarrant Area Food Bank is busy passing out a million meals a week to their 13-county area. I and mean, we're seeing as many people right now as we saw at the height of the pandemic when uh, folks were experiencing job loss. When you hear that they named it the Inflation Reduction Act, do you just laugh out loud? I mean, do you do you do you, do you, you know how Washington works? But do you see the sort of irony in in, in tacking on another seven hundred billion with tax in, increases and spending involved? Does that in any way look like an inflation reduction bill to you? Guarantee, promise, I've never broken my word. Anyone making less than four hundred thousand dollars will not sleep one single penny in their tax rate. President Biden breaking his promise not to raise taxes on the middle class. Senate Democrats look to fast track a bill that multiple now nonpartisan experts say would raise taxes on nearly all Americans. Give me my word as a Biden. No one making less than four hundred thousand dollars a year will see a penny in their taxes rate. The average tax rate for nearly every income bracket would increase. I will not oppose any tax increase on people making less than $400,000. Taxes will rise by $16.7 billion in 2023 on Americans earning less than $200,000 a year. No one earning less than $400,000 a year will pay a single penny more in federal tax. Joe Biden has drawn the line at $400,000 a year. The, the committee does say it would raise taxes on people below that line. Welcome back, everybody, to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 95. Here on Thursday morning, August 4th, and Joe Biden promised not to raise your taxes, Mike. $400,000, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it, 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 you've been lied to. I don't know how else to say that nicely. You notice the, the ominous campaign music in the back of that last clip? Yeah, it, it's... Also, just wanted to point out that our good friend Amos Hochstein is the one who made a uh, made a statement that it is simply factually incorrect that gas prices were rising before Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine. 
I'm glad you said that because I thought it was John Kirby. Um, that is, of course, a lie. That you know, that's not an inaccuracy. That's a lie, because it's easy to track the uh, prices of oil and gasoline have increased, increased every month at this from the moment this guy took the oath of office until about uh, two months ago when demand destruction, when the pending recession destroyed enough demand to start to sink the prices. Yeah, well, I mean, apparently Joe Biden is not responsible for any of the upside to gas prices, but all of the downside to gas it, prices. It's, it's Vladimir Putin's recession. Yes, of course. That, you know, it, when, when, when the bill that they're considering are going to pass, probably, if that ever becomes law and it turns out to be a disaster like the American Rescue Plan, I have no doubt that in a year it's going to be Vladimir Putin's um, reconciliation, too. <laughs> and I also love that Joe, Joe Kernan's like, do you just laugh out loud? They, they, literally, <laughs> they literally had the cojones to call it the Deficit Reduction Act. Or the the Inflation Reduction, Reduction Act. Act. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> so real quick, and we probably, there's going to be an editorial in the, in the Washington Times here tomorrow about this with a bunch of these links, right? Both both the Wharton guys, right? The Penn, the Penn Wharton guys, uh, their budget model shows that it's going to have no effect on inflation. Uh, statistically, what was the word they used? Statistically ambiguous effect. Ambiguous. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then um, tax found uh, Moody's, right? Uh, Mark Zandi, who's the Democratic apologist over at Moody's, even he was like, no, 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 it's definitely going to have an effect on inflation. Here's the effect. Nine years from now, it's going to reduce inflation by one third of 1%. Nine years from now, that's the effect the bill's going to have. So yeah. Yeah. it, 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 it's not going to reduce the deficit. It's not going to reduce inflation. It's going to increase taxes and spending. It's going to reduce employment. Other than right, that, let's, gentlemen, it's a let's winner. Hold off on, let's hold on, off on this because we're going to get a little granular uh, on, on, on both where we are on it and where we think it's going to end up and how we think it's going to impact things in November. Um, do you have any announcements? have this horrible feeling i should have an announcement but i don't no problem at all i just wanted to make one mention in the announcements that uh we want to uh pray uh for uh, congresswoman walorski and her staff yeah. two of her staff members emma emma thompson um who was her communications person yeah and, and zach uh, potts who yeah. was a district director and also the youngest chairman of a Republican uh, of St. Jo Joseph's St. Joe's County and County in, in, Republican in, in, Party uh, and the youngest chairperson chairman in the state of Indiana. Yeah, St. Joe's so. County. That's where um, that South Bend, right? That's where Notre Dame's located, right? The Congresswoman Nandy was in her was in her um, district. So, yeah. Uh, and and Emma had also worked on the Hill prior to this for Burgess in Texas and a gentleman named Congressman Joyce. So yeah, I want to bless them. Uh, we're very sorry for for their uh, the, to the families for their loss. So, yeah, it it you know I was unclear on it. All I know is that it was bad and somebody was going the wrong way and it didn't. It, it doesn't matter, doesn't really matter at this point, I suppose. It's just it's terrible. And the driver of the other car died as well. So, yeah. And uh, the congresswoman actually, uh, before she was a state rep and she kind of worked her way through politics, um, she, um, uh, I think she was a, a volunteer uh, or she started a charity. I can't remember that. I need to find go back and find find that information because that to me is more meaningful. Uh, uh, than her career and her congressional stuff. Hold on. Well, you know, it, it, it eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, right? Yep. Um, I don't have any other announcements. Um, I just wanted to make that, you know, uh, I just want to let folks know about that. So thank you. All right. This day in history, Mike, you ready? Uh, what day is it? Dave, August 4th, right? Yes, sir. In 1892, and, and there's a reason I brought this one up. I got a bookend on this here. In 1892, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. In, <laughs> no, uh, you're off about <laughs> 400 years. 400 years. In, uh, no, 
1892, on this day, Andrew and Abby Borden were found hacked to death in their Fall River, Massachusetts home. Yeah, Lizzie Borden took up an axe and gave her mother 40 wax. And when she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. Boom. Uh, <laughs> of course, Lizzie was, uh, was acquitted of the crime. Yeah, uh, not, not in the popular opinion she wasn't. No, not at all. Um, uh, but uh, anyhow, she moved, she went on to inherit a large sum of money from her father, who she often had arguments about such money. Um, <laughs> and, and that was her stepmother, by the way. Uh, and today, the house where the Borden murders occurred is a bed and breakfast. Oh, creepy. Who would stay there? Yeah. Uh, this is a little bit more disturbing, um, but but also very noteworthy historically. 1944, 1944, Mike. Um, the Battle of Lady Gulf in the, in the Pacific. No, no, no. Uh, Anne Frank, her family, uh, another Jewish family, and a single Jewish man were captured by the Nazi Gestapo after 25 months in seclusion. Uh, they were given away by an unknown informer and were arrested along with two of the Christians who helped feed and shelter them. Uh, her last entry in her diary was three days earlier, and the hideaway is now an, a museum that opened in Amsterdam in 1960. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, um, nobody wants to hear this, but it's a lesson in. Be careful what kind of government you pick. Absolutely. Uh, and the last one, just to round out the... Uh, all right, I don't know. I'm a little bit morbid today. In 2012, Mike. 2012. Uh, a little bit morbid today? Well, uh, it's, it's a roundabout morbidity, but so you won't guess it from that. But Okay, what do you got? I, Oscar Pistorius became the first amputee runner to compete in the Olympics. Oh, okay. Come on, man. <laughs> he, he ran an open heat of the 400 meter, finished second out of five runners in advance of the semifinals, where he finished eighth out of eight runners and became this symbol of, of overcoming adversity and challenge. And two years later, he was found guilty of murdering his girlfriend. Yeah, it's a tragic story, right? All the way Just around. Bookend a little bit of mysterious murders. Lizzie Borden and Oscar Pistorius, man. You're really reaching it today. I go for it. <laughs> there wasn't really much to, to work with today. So, um, all right, where do we want to start this, the, 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 uh, the part where our folks learn a whole heck of a lot about, yeah, I want to go through it in some kind of orderly fashion. I want to talk about the inflation stuff first. Um, okay. Um, you know, the inflation reduction act. So like I said, both Moody's and Penn, um, Penn Wharton budget model came out and said in the last three, four days came out and said, yeah, this is going to have no effect on inflation. So you know, that, that's that, right? No effect on inflation. Um, uh, both Tax Foundation and the Joint Committee on Taxation came out and said, everybody, um, you know, all tax brackets are going to see tax increases, which makes sense, right? I mean, the bill um, raises $350 billion in taxes. So there's going to be tax increases. It's going to spread across all brackets. Um, most ominously, and the Tax Foundation said that most of the um, audits um, being be, that will be done by an increased in uh, uh, an increased an IRS that has increased in size and scope are going to be audits of people making between seventy-five and two hundred thousand dollars, right? Uh, like ninety percent, not like a small amount, like but that's basically going to be the core of all those new audits, right? So that's bad news. So let's review real quick before I get to the next one. No effect on inflation, tax increases for everybody, including those making less than $400,000 and an aggressive IRS that's targeted directly at the middle class. Um, the uh, other thing you know, came out in the, in the, in the um, you know, the other thing's been obvious for a while is not gonna be deficit reduction vehicle. The um, Congressional Budget Office doesn't score 
IRS enforcement as a as a revenue raiser. They assume that you're actually like following the law as it is. Um, you're enforcing the. They assume the federal government's enforcing the law. So that's 124 million billion out of that stack right there. And then the rest of the the rest of the um, money earmarked for deficit reduction is probably going to go to expanded Affordable Care Act subsidies. You know the way they structured the way Mansion structured it was they're counting 10 years of savings from the federal price controls over prescription drugs. Um, so they count all 10 years of that, and that's about 258 billion, but they only count three years of the subsidy, that's about 65 billion. So in reality, in 2025, that subsidy is gonna come up, it'll get expanded uh, for all 10 years of the, of the um, window. So no deficit reduction, no effect on inflation, tax increases, <clears throat> Last thing on it, I'm aware that today there's going to be a study coming out made public shows job losses are going to be about 900,000, which is pretty, yeah, so, pretty so bad. So explain to me the upside of this uh, other than uh, paying off your uh, Democrats' political constituencies. Yeah. Uh, is there anything yeah, in this bill? Is there anything that the American people, our listeners, um, from around the country, uh, is there anything remotely worth the passage of this legislation? Yeah, the 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 Democrats, those who those who think that climate change is an important problem and a priority, should be very happy because they're going to get um, they're going to get you know thirty five billion dollars a year, thirty seven billion dollars a year to spend every year for the next until the Republicans take over and put a bullet in this thing. So two years, three years. Okay, okay um, but, but uh, okay. I just, wanna, I just anybody who prioritizes that, which is approximately 1% of the population. So for okay. that 1%, you know, but look, raising taxes at the top of a recession is the craziest thing to do. And the fact that you have an entire party, I know we like to throw rocks at Mansion, and I like to, but an entire party is going to vote for this. It tells you that they have gone completely out of their minds on this climate change stuff. You know, there. And one last, one last thing to sort of bring that that craziness home. I think I spent three hundred seventy billion dollars for about five hundred million tons of reduction. Right. My math is always shaky. That's about seven thousand bucks a ton. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I want to. I want. I just. I don't want to be tongue in cheek about it, but it really isn't uh, anything different than anything that they've done already, which hasn't really done anything for the That's stated right. objective. That's so right. I want to just kind of spread, I just kind of want to like put it in perspective here. The Greens are calling this the most significant piece of climate legislation ever, which if you're, if you work and live in Washington, no piece of, no reconciliation bill should ever be considered a significant piece of legislation. But set that aside, this is nothing more than a massive wealth transfer from American taxpayers to corporations like the automobile industry That's right. and the wind and solar industry, and then yep. potentially the carbon capture, the utilities. Um, it's not a planet-saving measure. It's a continuing to prop up inferior energy technologies measure. And, and okay, this bill has $30 billion for grants and loans for states and electric utilities it's basically giving them money to do what they're supposed to do yeah it has a four thousand dollar tax credit for uh used electric vehicles up to seventy five hundred dollar tax credit for new electric vehicles nine billion for federal procurement of quote american made clean technologies whatever that means um three billion for the postal service to buy evs yeah billion dollars for School bus places. The other day, the uh, a small town in the northeast somewhere bought a brand new electric bus that blew up and wouldn't stop burning. Uh, more more money for the Department of uh, of Energy. Now, it hasn't. It's not like they haven't done anything between the COVID relief bill, which was billions in green stuff, between that and the quote infrastructure bill which was we we calculated over 115 billion in green stuff um and and the the other bill that the first bill 
that he passed, right? Uh, the quote-unquote COVID relief package. Yeah, the American Rescue Plan. Yeah, yeah I mean, they've already, and Chips Plus had a bunch of green stuff in it too. My point is, is that Biden's already racked up 1515 a, a couple few hundred billion dollars already for these people well okay to your to your point right to your point um two, two points to your point uh the business council for sustainable development i think um uh estimated that in the last 17 years from 2005 till now we've spent the federal government spent about 850 billion their actual numbers 849 billion dollars on uh, alternative energy, right? Uh, That's great, but if you look at 2005, United States primary energy, about 80% coal, oil, natural gas. Um, uh, Guess what it was yesterday morning, right? It's about 80% coal, oil, and natural gas, right? So 17 years of blowing basically $50 billion a year on it, there's been no difference. And there's gonna be no difference from this thing Second point, real quick, the Rhodium Group, right, which is no friend of, of, of our side of the political spectrum, um, did an assessment of it and they said, look, um, you know, best case, best case, it'll mean 500 million tons more year of reduction, a year, of, of greenhouse gas reduction a year, more than business as usual. Worst case, it won't have any effect at all. Right. right. Um, you know, their, their range of outcomes, you know, spread across, you know, Best case, worst case, who knows what the likely case is. So, you know, there's no mechanism in this bill. This is an important thing to point out. Roger Pilkey pointed this out. I wanna, I wanna hit it. Um, uh, for those who don't know who Roger Pilkey is, you should, uh, you should, you should, and you should follow him on Twitter. Yeah, he, he's a Roger Pilkey Jr. He's a professor at the University of Colorado. Um, I, I don't always agree with what he says or how he thinks but he always has reasons for what he says and why he thinks it, right? He's, he's a smart guy and he's data-driven. Pilkey's um, like, explain to me what in this bill is going to change the, our current energy trajectory? And the answer is nothing. There's nothing in the bill that's gonna change our current energy trajectory, which is why he asked the question. And you know, the funny thing is he asked it like three days ago on his Twitter feed and no one's been able to give him an answer. Um, you know, which is kind of telling that this is, this bill, this is what the editorial says, right? It, it's not going to reduce inflation. It's not going to reduce the deficit. It's not going to change our energy trajectory. What it is going to do is increase taxes on everybody right at the top of a recession. And that, you know, I hate to say this, I hate to use this particular word, but I mean it in its clinical sense the Democrats have become deranged on this issue, right? They, they don't have the range. They just, they become totally unmoored from the center line on this, on climate change. It's just, it, and you know, you, 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 you pointed out the rhetoric, right? Historic, fabulous, wonderful, the most amazing thing ever. I'm like, dude, it's just a money giveaway. It's a wealth That's transfer. You know, it's not- it's literally a corporate welfare program. It's industrial policy. Um, Lisa Lanoz, who's uh, one of the Institute for Energy Research's um, po- uh, policy advisory board members, uh, I think you know who she is, Mike. She's I do. Uh, very, very well versed on the Win PTC in particular, the production tax credit. And she did a little digging in this legislation. Yeah. And she concluded, I'm going to put her piece in the show notes because it's worth reading. She concluded that uh, the, the, the Schumanchen. Uh, extends the PTC, uh, claims to, to extend the PTC and ITTC for 10 more years. But the language is actually not what, what it does. The language says it phases out, but quote, only after annual greenhouse gas emissions from U.S. electricity, electricity production drops by 75% or more to 2022 levels. To achieve this level of emission reductions, the U.S. would have to severely constrain the public's access to reliable generation, which won't happen. And she fleshes out the numbers. She's basically making the case that if that language sticks, isn't clawed back, changed, or otherwise modified, that this makes the PTC permanent. Yes, it does, essentially. I, that, I did not know that. I mean, I didn't I didn't know that, that Lisa had gone out and done that. Um, 
that that's really valuable work. The one thing I will say about this, you asked what's the good thing about this bill? I will tell you one good thing about this bill. Um, it has sheared away the, um, the pretense of a lot of this, right? It, it's now clear that it's all about the cash that the environmental community has become. Um, just the foot soldiers of the wind and solar and EV. Um, and the Democratic Party. And the Democrat. Well, they already knew that, right? But this this is a different thing, right? That they're essentially the the PR and the grassroots firms for these energy sources now, and for for a lot of respects for General Motors, right? Place like that. The good news there is one thing, right? This is this is I'm getting to the good news. Um, this is now completely a shirts and skin exercises exercise, right? No no Republican will possibly be able to vote for any of this stuff ever again. Um, so, you know, in, in a way, this legislation brings clarity to the underlying politics of this. Um, and what it means is, like I said, what it means is next time the Republicans hold Congress and the White House, all this stuff's going to go away. And this industry, I'm going to put that in quotes, right? This industry is now going to be subject to the political vagaries in a way that no other industry in the country is. I feel kind of bad for them because I don't think they understand that's what they're doing here. Yeah, well, I, just, I want to refer our listeners and our audience to uh, the Institute for Energy Research's Big Green Inc. database, which we uh, basically update uh, all the funds that the uh, major left-leaning foundations pump into these green groups and what and for what purpose and you are absolutely right uh this as as the the quote in in wall street this clarifies right yeah. <laughs> so, you know that you ask for an advantage for for a benefit to the american public this is the benefit to the american public it it is it is now obvious what's going on so 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 we will see uh, if the Republicans capitalize on that. Um, and we'll get into the politics of it uh, afterwards. Uh, but but so so Schumanchin debate has not begun. The House is out. Uh, they're obviously going to wait till the Senate figures out what they're going to do. Um, Schumer hasn't uh, begun, uh, hasn't indicated when he will schedule debate for this. But uh, they're working through what's called the bird bath, which is, uh, uh, you know, the, the requirement that all of the provisions be subjected to this sort of reconciliation budget uh, tool or, or, or constraints, uh, the constraints of it. He, I, my, I heard he will not be waiting for the final result of that. As soon as he gets a major piece of it um, finalized, he'll begin debate because under the same rule, the Republicans, or anyone for that matter, can offer virtually unlimited amendments uh, to it. So we'll see how that goes. Um, the, the mystery here, and, and, and I'm just pulling a few things from today's uh, Punchbowl News uh, morning update. The, the big question mark is why nobody reached out to cinema at any point in, in time in this process? Um, and what is she going to do and or ask for? Now, I have heard rumors that uh, Senator Sinema from Arizona, uh, the, the, the other holdout Democrat who, uh, who has been pretty strong throughout this process, is likely going to sign this, but she will seek some concessions. And according to uh, senators and media reports, she wants to scale back the carried interest, may, maybe not even eliminate, but scale it back. Um, and this is for you know the the, the stuff that uh, the private equity guys and the hedge fund guys uh, are complaining about. She also wants to seek uh, some changes to the the minimum tax, which is the one that bangs on manufacturing, which is you know ironic, considering Mr. Uh, Manchin uh, has been all about manufacturing, and this this actually doesn't about face on that, and one of their strong stronger points. Um, and she's looking to, she's looking for drought money for Arizona. Yeah. So, so I, she's going to, for like 5 billion in drought money. So yeah. she's going to claw back about 15, 20, 25 billion. She's going to add about 5 billion. So theoretically 
Shumanshin has to scale back some of these programs by, I would say, fifteen billion dollars, yeah. and she's likely to sign it according to the I'm, world. So. I'm I'm skeptical of that. I'm skeptical of that. I'll just tell you that right now. Right? She, you know, with respect to the timeline, um, you know, they're going to go to the floor when they have the votes and not before, right? And so tomorrow, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, right? At some point he's gonna, he's either gonna do it or give up on it, right? I think somewhere middle of next week, he gives up on it. Um, if we go to middle of next week, he gives up on it. I'm a little, I'm kind of entertained because we were gonna vote on it this week, right? You know, he came out, we're gonna vote on it Tuesday. Yeah, here we are on Thursday. So I'm skeptical of the timing, but I think Saturday, Sunday, Monday in the Senate and then Wednesday in the house wouldn't surprise me. Um, the other part that's odd is the other part that I have trouble believing is I'm really skeptical that um, that's all Senator Sinema cares to change. Um, you know, you got to think she's peeved that they didn't include her. She already on the record is opposing the carried interest provisions, right? So I think that's out. And I expect her, if she's going to do this book minimum thing, she's probably going to take a bigger chunk out of it than just a modest one. And for every percentage point on that minimum, they're raising about $20 billion to give you some sense of what's going to have to come out in the bill. Um, you know, keep in mind, I say this all the time. I want to remind everybody, uh, IRS enforcement doesn't score. So the $124 billion comes out of the bill right away. So it's not a $750 billion bill. It's a $625 billion bill. I could easily see her taking it down to 400 and you know keep in mind 65 billion of that is going to the obamacare subsidies no matter what else happens so we'll see how it goes um i think she's ultimately going to sign on to something i just don't know what it is um and you know it it, it but this idea that she's going to ask for a bunch of small things i i i don't believe that i really don't and i and you know because it doesn't make any sense. Well, it could also be wishful thinking on behalf of the, the people who are, quote, reporting about it, right? Yes, which is what's been, been the case this whole time. So, But one thing that she has been, which is remarkably consistent, is that she is silent. Yeah. She makes no comments to That's the media right. or anybody, for that matter, uh, that we are aware of about what's in her head. She's very disciplined in that regard. I'm, I'm kind of impressed. So. Yeah, and that's why, and that's why I don't believe the small stuff, and I don't believe the reporting because yeah. she just when she's when she has an answer, she'll tell us. Yeah. So, uh, how's this playing for? Um, how's this playing for Mansion? Not so good. Uh, there's, uh -huh. there's a guy in uh, Morgantown, West Virginia. This, this sort of everyone knows who he is now because everyone wants to get on his show or uh, or talk to talk. Uh, Hoppy Kerchival, it's the host yeah. of the Metro News Talk Line in Morgantown, tweeted out from coal associations. This legislation is so egregious, it leaves those of us that call Senator Manchin a friend shocked and disheartened. Um, and then uh, the coal association, which I'll include uh, not just West Virginia, but all of the state coal associations, sent out a scathing letter. Uh, Shoe Mansion Agreement, Bad for American Coal. Um, uh, it, it's basically like you just sold us out, sold us, uh, you know, down the river. Why now? Uh, why now is the theme of the letter. It's pretty good. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes. And honestly, I've seen a few uh, rounds of his, you know, of his media circuit. <laughs> he doesn't look like He's not doing a really good job convincing folks uh, that that the bill does what he says it does. He it doesn't look it's not a good look for him uh, politically, quite honestly. So I know we ha we we hashed this out last time, so we won't get into it. But he 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 went from a confident, very sort of you know grounded, assertive, uh, firm posture to one where he's just fumbling all over the place trying to trying to sell this thing, trying to sell this dog, so. Yeah, I mean, there's something we don't see here, right? You know, he he must know the permitting stuff is vaporware. He must understand the bill doesn't do anything he says it does, and yet he continues on. He knows, he must know that he can't win in West Virginia now, right? 
it it you can't win anything statewide. Um, some we don't see. We'll see it in the next I don't know three, four, six months, whatever it is. It'll become apparent whatever it is he got for this legislation. Um, yeah, I, I we put in the AA has this great daily news clip called In the Pipeline, and if anyone is interested, uh, just ping us at um, unregulated at energydc.org and I will include you on the mailing list. Um, we'll gladly sell out the economy today for a hamburger on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's not going to get this permitting stuff. I, I mean, the irony is that the Senate Republicans are going to put a CRA, a Congressional Review Act bill on the floor that undoes the Biden stuff that undid the bad stuff on NEPA, which is permitting reform. Yeah. Right. It, it Well, you know, not only that, I mean, it's it even the stuff that's I, even the even the, the, the stuff that's been talked about doesn't actually involve any actual permitting reform. Right. It, it has it doesn't do anything about the Clean Air Act, Endangered Species, the Archaeological Historic Preservation Act, Clean Air Act, and the involvement of federal land managers. It literally has nothing to do with what actually stops projects. You know, and I just want, this is a divergence, but I think I got caught on the record saying this yesterday, so I want to explain it. Um, somebody, you know, one of the senators like, hey, you know, we need to reform NEPA. I'm like, NEPA is becoming the new Keystone Pipeline, right? Yeah. A, 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 an a almost trivial totem, but everybody knows it. So they're like, we need to reform NEPA. NEPA isn't the problem. It's the organic statutes that are the problem. And nobody's talking about touching any of those. Well, so, and, you know, point about major questions doctrine, right? Right. And, you know, uh, you, you already saw that uh, Grijalva already, you know, he pushed away from the bar long enough to say, yeah, we're not doing that in the house, right? So, <laughs> Oh my! Behave! I gotta pull out that graphic. Oh, behave! <laughs> it, it it um you know. It 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 is what it is. Anyway. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby. That's um, all right. So, where do we go from here? Uh, they're obviously going to do a lot of behind the scenes maneuvering. Oh, just to go back to the point on on the permitting too. Just yeah. real. Yeah, Nancy Pelosi is going to do Joe Manchin a favor by twisting the arms of Elon Omar and her crew. Yeah, I, I, get a know, permitting reform bill through in the lame duck. Really, like I said, when, when after all she's done for him, for her, or he? Sorry, strike that reverse. After all he's done for her, are you kidding me? Yeah, what a joke! It's a joke. It, it like I said, when when Grahal was the first guy out saying, "Forget it." You know you're doomed, right? Before the progressives even had a chance to get to his left, he was just like, you know what? I'm just going to shorten this, move to the furthest left post, and say, forget it. It, and that's what I'm saying, right? Senator Manchin, you know, he's a he's a he's a wealthy, powerful individual. He's played this game very well. He's not an idiot. He's not naive. He must know that the permitting thing was vaporware. That the parliamentarian is going to strike out the interior oil and gas leases before you give up wind leases, right? Yeah. Um, you know he 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 must know that the made in America stuff's coming out, right? Because it has nothing to do with anything, so that's coming out. Um, in other words, everything he cares about is not going to happen, and I, I see that. You see that. Everybody sees that. He must see it, which leaves us with the question why did he do this and there's that's what i'm saying it's something we haven't we don't yet see but we will eventually right it will come out yeah all right i want to switch over to gas prices really quick before we get into the primaries if you don't okay mind. i want to call this segment the biden the gas price whisperer okay uh, on the OPEC announcement given what the president has invested um does he feel like the increase was an insult Look, and I and I said this uh, earlier, and I'll I'll say this again. Um, the fact of the matter is that uh, oil and gas prices are coming down. They are coming down, and they have been coming down since the president announced his trip. The moment he announced his trip, we saw uh, gas prices and uh, and oil prices coming down, and so that is also important to note. But there's one more before we get into the conversation, brother. 
<laughs> We're now seeing 50 days into what remains the fastest decline in gas prices in over a decade. Gas prices are now down 86 cents a gallon from their June peak, saving American families with two cars on average over $90 a month on. Okay. Regular gas is still $1.77 higher and diesel is still $2.60 higher than when Biden took office. Now, he keeps talking about this SPR release and what a miracle, what an amazing, amazing thing it has done for American motorists. And he brags about it, uh, saving, saving 40 cents a gallon at the pump so that his release of the SPR has saved Americans 40 cents a gallon at the pump. Now, um, our guys crunched the numbers and we used their framework, the framework they used to estimate the value in lower gas prices of our metrics, which was an increase in domestic oil production with fracking. Okay. Mm -hmm. And our calculation based on their metrics is that if the White House says the SPR release is resulting in gas prices that are 40 cents a gallon lower, then they're also saying that last year, the increase in domestic oil production led to gasoline prices that were about $2 a gallon lower, and that domestic oil production has saved Americans over $2 trillion since 2008. So I'll take... I was going to say I like it. I'll take... I'll take if we're using their if we're using their exact chart and i'm gonna we're gonna put this up in the show notes once we release it it's still in production that oil and gas producers in this country have saved motorists based on their calculation of what they save motorists with the spr release two trillion dollars since 2008 thank you very much seriously you're welcome thank you very much independent oil and gas producers for for making it a lot easier in this country to get around and to keep our energy prices low our gasoline prices in particular it's this is i mean i just pointed out because it's just it's, it's a flat out lies like you said like amos uh you know running around and they're either flat out lying um biden all has biden has to do is whisper and the price goes down right and then uh, they they make up data. They make up data. So I'm done. I just had to get well, that off my chest. Well, I mean, yeah. Okay. So 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 you know the one last thing before we go, right? The the um the idea that you know it went it started to go up during you know in in the front of the war is ridiculous. And I think you sort of understand why Amos didn't really. Um, make a bunch of money in the outside because math is not his strong suit, right? Um, the, 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 the thing is the data that the press secretary coughed up about, hey, 86 cents down in the last whatever, just as June. You know, the thing is, it's true. And it's the kind of thing a debating society would point out. Like, like somehow the other 330 million of us weren't here in May. Right. In April, right? Just just like I always get the feeling I'm you know these guys are are trying to gaslight you us but they're terrible at it yeah you know and it and it fits in with my general thematic of this administration which is they think it's a debating society and and I want to I want to say, say one other thing about that go ahead let me sharpen that it's a debating society on social media networks with an emphasis on twitter yeah it's crazy talk one last thought on this before we go, right? And this is the this is probably going to be at the top of the editorial uh, tomorrow, in the Washington Times, which is our co-host, a co-host of our our unregulated podcast. Thank you again, Washington Times. Which I think I got in the shirt tail finally today. Yay! Yay! I'm changing my name to President and CEO of IR and co-host of the unregulated <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, so. The last couple of weeks, everyone's been talking about these legislative victories and put that in quotes, right? And how that's going to help the Democrats in the midterms. And, and I've been listening to it thinking, this is just nonsense. I literally don't know any voters who care about legislative victories. What voters care about is 
are you doing anything to make my life better? Make the economy grow faster, make sure my kids have jobs, make our neighborhood safer, you know, make it easier for me to shop or cheaper or whatever. Are you doing something that affects me? Literally no one out in America that cares about legislative victories. Like, hoorah, we got the chips bill through, said approximately nobody in South Bend, Indiana, right? So I, I, I just, it's they're involved in a debating society and their principal audience, which I think is the legacy media, is engaged in the same debating society. And like you say, Twitter's the platform and it's just really unhealthy because they all, they, they all talk to each other and they all hang out with each other on the weekends. And you can tell you're like, they actually think this is how people out, out, in, out in, I don't want to say the real world, but out West of like, you know, um, Loudoun County think. And I'm just like, dude, speaking as somebody who lives South of Loudoun County and South of Fairfax County, Literally nobody in Richmond is like, hey man, the president had some great legislative victories. I've totally changed my mind. I'm going to vote for that Democrat now. Well, before we get into that, because I think that's a really important segue, I want to clarify what the $2 trillion in savings uh, means for for a for family, because sometimes we forget that that doesn't mean anything to them either. If we used the White House's math of saving 13 cents or, or or more for every billion barrels that they increased in the SPR. As I mentioned, using the same calculation, that means Americans have saved over $2 trillion at the pump since 2008 as a result of increased domestic oil production. So what does it mean for an average family? That means that they have saved about $24,000 at the pump since 2008. An average family of four has saved $24,000 in gasoline as a result of that increased production if you're using the White House numbers. Yeah. And, so. and, it, and if the bad guys would stop their jihad against American oil production, that, that would, we could continue that, that winning streak. All right. Um, let's shift over to the big primary on Tuesday. Uh, a bunch of states probably one of the last big 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 primaries of the season lots of stuff was both clarified and also some things i think create some question marks for both the republicans and the democrats should we start with should we rat, rattle through each state we can start with arizona yeah yeah and let's just pick up the uh, other states that didn't have didn't have stuff in arizona um you know blake masters won that senate uh, nominating contest like we thought he would the governor's, yep. the governor's, the Republican nomination for governor was a considerably more messy affair. Kari Lake's ahead of that by a couple, 10,000 votes, I think, out of about uh, 400,000 cast. I think she's going to finally win that thing over Carrie, uh, Karen Taylor. Karen Taylor Robson, yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, okay, so this is a, just a subtext here. Carrie Lake, of course, was endorsed by Trump. Uh, and uh, Robson, uh, Karen Taylor Robson was in, endorsed by Pence and Governor Ducey. So yeah, you know it, it, which is weird because Lake started off her life as a never Trumper. Um, so right, <laughs> exactly. And uh, which goes to tell you, <laughs> there's no rhyme or reason to a Trump endorsement. Correct. Um, so you know, I think both of those. I, there's a lot of there's a lot of hand wringing among the legacy guys, Republicans and media. Um, there's no way this ticket can win because it's got crazies on it. Kari Lake and Mark Fincham is the Republican nominee for Secretary of State, right? And they're all 2020 election questioners, right? Um, I think Blake Masters is going to win that race. I think he's going to beat Mark Kelly. I think Kari Lake's going to win that race. So that's that's yeah, uh, perhaps it might not bode well for the Democrats in Arizona who keep saying that this this state is turning purplish. So. Yeah, I don't it's think it's a weird is, state. It's always just been a weird state. It's right? always been a weird state. I, I will say this, right? The only reason Mark Kelly is a senator, the only reason Kirsten Sinema is a senator is because we gave them lousy, the Republicans gave everybody lousy candidates. Not once, but twice. The same yeah, candidate. I mean, it's, it's the same story with Georgia. I mean, you know, you, right. if, if you don't want to wind up with Democratic senators, don't don't give voters terrible candidates. Right. Don't get any simpler than that, gang. Uh, there's one house race to note. Uh, second district is uh, uh, 
retired Navy SEAL Eli Crane, who was also endorsed by Trump, has defeated a state rep. And uh, the interesting thing about that is it's currently held by a Dem, Tom O'Halloran. Uh, yeah. O'Halloran, who's not a good guy. He's really like green as green as can be. Uh, anyway, uh, it looks like that seat's going to flip because of redistricting. Uh, so that's that'll be a pickup for for the Republicans yeah. in, in the Congress. That's unfortunate. I'm 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 on a jihad myself against against anybody who identifies themselves as a Navy SEAL. <laughs> There's been quite a few eccentric and not and, hey, and most largely guys. disappointing ones. I could name a couple, but I'll I'll just hold back for now. It's guys, not you know, if 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 <laughs> the centerpiece of your life is something you did when you were 19 years old. You probably want to rethink your life. Yeah. All right. So let's talk Kansas uh, because Kansas. This is um, uh, for one thing only uh, because the 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 phrase "blue wave" is tr was trending this morning on Twitter, Mike. Because uh, in the in the uh, uh, primary, there was also a ballot uh, proposition that basically. Uh, I don't even know it was it was kind of strangely worded, but essentially uh, it restricted the ability of the legislature to change the state's access situation with respect to abortion. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, it was basically 15. The vote was 5941 in favor of the pro-abortion position. Yeah. Uh, so the Dems are claiming that this is just proof that uh, Roe v. Wade is going to be the, the deciding factor in the November elections and that Republicans are going to be in trouble because between all these legislative accomplishments and yeah. anxiety about Roe v. Wade, the, the, not only are the Democrats going to hold on, but they're going to actually, it's going to be a blue wave. So Yeah. Okay. Uh, and they're, they're lumping in uh, Beto in that too. He's going to beat uh, the go Governor Abbott. Yeah. Um, Kansas is kind of a different thing, right? The, the, the Constitution precludes the legislature from doing anything, right, on abortion. The vote would have been to allow the, the um, legislature to do something. However, the, the language was, I, I, you know what, next week I'll bring it on so we can read it. The, the language of the actual ballot initiative was so confusing that if the first time you encountered it was in the um, was in the uh, voting booth, you'd have no chance, no chance. Right. Uh, so, but the Dems also claimed that they were able to jack registration up. Uh, that's right. Well, they so did. They they so. they did. But you know, they had eight hundred thousand votes when usually in a, in, a, in an off you'll have about five hundred thousand. So turnout was big. You know, there's no doubt in my mind that there's something to the argument that um, it shows some weakness in strategy and tactics. I'm just not sure it shows 18 points worth of weakness in strategy. Right. And tactics it's also probably not a bellwether for. And nobody was voter. voting. The important thing to remember is nobody was voting on anything substantive. They were voting on process. Had the thing been like, hey, abortion should be illegal after 12 weeks of gestation. Yeah. I think Kansas probably votes for that 60 40. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, so we'll, but we'll see, right? We need more data. This is first piece of data. We'll get some more and then we'll know. Okay. So in, in Michigan, uh, the big story was the defeat of freshman Peter Mayer in the GOP uh, nomination campaign, fell to former Trump HUD official John Gibb. Uh, so Mayer was, of course, one who voted to uh, impeach the former president. Um, and he basically lost his primary battle. Uh, the other South Carolina, uh, the other Republican so far who's lost their, their primary battle uh, is Tom Rice from South Carolina. So that was uh, a story in Michigan. Um, the rest, I think, was fairly, uh, you know, straightforward, except for the fact that the Levin family dynasty might be coming to an end. So... That's sad. Haley Stevens scored 60-40 over Andy Levin, who, of course, is the, you know, heir to the the Levin seat <laughs> that's been in, you know, the family for, for generations. So Carl Levin is, yeah, his uncle. Uh, 
Sander Levin, his dad, his uncle Carl, they, they all held the seat forever. It's kind of like the Dingle seat, right? In yeah, Michigan. I was going to say, what's with the Michiganders? All right, Missouri. Uh, Missouri, Eric Schmidt won the Republican nomination for Senate, which he should have, beat Eric Greitens. President, of course, refused to endorse either. So he wound up endorsing some guy named Eric that nobody knows who. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it's the right answer, right? I mean, that Greitens probably could have won the general, but would have cost the NRSC probably uh, five million bucks just to win. Yeah. Schmidt's going to be a going to be a plus. The only bad thing about the Schmidt victory is he's Ted Cruz's guy, so Jeff Rose. <laughs> There's going to be all kinds of Ted Cruz gloating about that. Exactly. So and Jeff Rowe, who's now won the, he won the Yunkin thing in Virginia. Now he's won this thing. Like, I got to be honest with you. If you can't win a nomination race against the guy who tied up and, and who stripped, tied up and videotaped a woman against her will, you you probably need, you probably need some help. So it wasn't the most complicated race uh, to win. I, don't know. I think you're, uh, I think you're downplaying that a little bit. I mean, there's been worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Joe, look at Joe Biden's son, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, but you see, he didn't run for any. He, he wasn't running for Senate in in Mississippi in Missouri. I was just yeah. Like, yeah. The fact that the the fact that that team, the Schmidt team, now is running around talking about what a heroic victory it was. I'm like, are are you guys for real? I mean, if, if you couldn't win, you probably should have quit the business. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So uh so Hart's the, the other news there is Hartzler and Long were both members, so they're gone and left the seats open. Um and uh those districts are uh now likely gonna be held by a former news anchor man named Eric Burleson. Um and uh, a conservative uh, I'm sorry, a state senator named Eric Burleson and a conservative commentator named Mark Alford. So uh, we'll probably have two new Republicans. Let's move to Washington State and Hmm. Uh, Murray did better than we thought she was going to do, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, she got 54% of the vote. I mean, it's obviously a deep, deep blue state, but we've been talking about this being the sleeper. This might make her feel a little bit more confident. Our, our friend, your, um, uh, the, the woman you interview, the veteran and former <laughs> nurse, Tiffany Smiley got 32% of the vote. Uh, Cause this is one of those deals where, it's like a jungle thing, right? Like everyone's in it. So correct. Yeah, yeah. So, top two go. So so top two now um, got basically eighty six percent. So we'll see what the what the what the remaining percentage does for Tiffany Smiley as we get closer to November. But might not be as uh, might not be as close of a squeaker as I had thought or hoped. No, she's an underdog. There's no doubt about that. We'll see how it goes, right? Uh, and then. Uh, but also in Washington, the incumbent uh, Republicans uh, who were facing primary challenges from what yeah, arguably yeah. more conservative candidates uh, both eked out uh, eked out victories. Uh, 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 Congressman Newhouse, yeah, Dan Newhouse, and uh, yeah. Jamie Herrera, and, and Jamie Herrera Butler. Yeah, so they'll they'll, they'll be coming back uh, uh, to the Congress next year. Yay. All right, that's all I have for big primary day. You want to talk big picture, what it means, or any no? I want to whip through insights? some insights. You know, we promised to do states. We're going to do states here. Okay. Um, uh, North Carolina, Ted Budd's going to win that race, right? He, he's he's trending. You know, he's two to six points up. He's going to win that race. In uh, in the the four remaining contests that are important, right? In Georgia, Ralph Warnock is uh, Reverend Warnock is probably legit plus two plus three up on um herschel walker no telling how that race is going to go herschel walker looked like he was going to be in free fall and now he looks like he's stopped so that looks like a live race um uh in nevada uh senator cortez masto if she votes for this tax increase right nevada's been devastated by the pandemic if she votes for this tax increase on reconciliation I think Adam Laxalt's going to going to um, waltz in, right? He'll beat her by ten points, just on the strength of that alone. Um, in uh, the three races that are kind of touchy, right? New Hampshire, uh, Maggie Hassan won by a thousand votes last time, one thousand seventeen. If you're paying attention, um, 
Republicans, the, that primary happens next week between the Republicans, the 13th. Um, two guys probably, the General Don Balduck and State Senator Chuck Morse. The polling on that is that either one of them could beat her and is either one of, both of them have run in, in front of her on a couple of uh, recent polls. I, I think she too, if she winds up voting for this tax increase is gonna be dead, um, is gonna be um, pretty ripe for getting beat in November. Uh, the, the, the proximity of this thing to election is just remarkable. I can't believe they're going to raise taxes in August of an election year. Uh, I probably should go back and find out the last time that happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, in Read my lips. It's no new taxes. It's literally insane. In Pennsylvania, um, you know, Oz, Mohamed Oz is running against John Fetterman, the lieutenant governor. Oz has kind of gotten some footing under him. It's turned out Fetterman is opposed to fracking, which- Yeah, I was going to bring that up. That was a nice little doozy that the, the Republicans pulled up. Signed a letter opposing fracking it, it, in you Pennsylvania. Know, you know, fracking has made approximately everybody in Pennsylvania wealthier. I mean, everybody's in on it. It's crazy. It's like, it's like being opposed to Silicon Valley in California, right? Um, and it came out yesterday that he um, had been completely supported by his parents until he was 50 years old. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, it, I love. So he's a freeloading son of a. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, I lived in Pennsylvania for a number of years. I love the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania almost as much as I love the Commonwealth of Virginia. It is a, it is a great historic, wonderful place full of wonderful people. How we came down to these two losers are going to be one of your United <laughs> States Senate. I have no <laughs> earthly idea. I really don't. Oh, uh, But Fetterman, of course, will have to wear a jacket and tie if he becomes a senator will he wear his hoodie underneath gonna have to wear jacket, jacket and tie or what's he gonna do when, when well that you know that's so that, so the that everyday jacket. man with the hoodie right it's yeah just that, nice okay so stick. so it turns out the bad news about getting um bad news about getting parental support until he was 50 turns out he comes for money <laughs> that whole blue collar thing's a fraud yeah, right um so you know right away you're like Okay, so I think that coupled with his ongoing health problems, right? He had he had a major stroke, not a minor stroke, before the primary. Uh, I, I, I'm starting to think Oz is going to win this race, which I had not thought about until ten days ago. In spite of Oz, in spite of himself, right? And we're, right. he's going to be a terrible senator. I mean, he's going to be the senator from from Turkey. It's not good. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and Pompeo you know, pointed out was sharp about it. So yeah, well, uh, maybe, what about Ohio? Thinking. What about Ohio? What about JD? Is he getting some footing or what? Oh, he's going to beat Tim Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong. It won't be by 30 points. He'll beat him by five points. You know, it, it, it again, you know, these guys are all going to have to take sides on this tax increase. That's going to take everybody who's marginal, take them away and, and put those races into the Republican category. And I, I don't, I mean, I see it. Everybody who does everybody who does the numbers for a living sees it. I don't understand why Schumer doesn't see it. Maybe they're just like, you know, what the hell with it? It's our last shot at it. Yeah. Let's go. No, I think that's it because that's their pattern, right? You think about it. It is. It is. That's Every cycle it. they do that. They did it with Billy, uh, Billy Clinton with BTU and Hillary Care. Uh, they they did it with Obama with uh, student loans and and Obamacare and potentially, you know, cap and trade. It's in their it's in their DNA just to just to go for go for you know, and, and government take, intervention into everything and you know? take the, and take the casualties. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. And why people like Manchin didn't, who was saving them from themselves to some extent, uh, don't get that beyond me, but we digress. Any, any other races before we wrap up? Cause we're going long here. That's it for me. All right. Well, I'm going to close out with this little doozy. Uh, as uh, just so our listeners, uh, they may or may not care, but um, the uh, New York uh, delegation had some issues with redistricting, and in one district, a congressman, the congressman uh, who's been around for about a hundred years, Jerry Nadler, um, has decided to run against another uh, congresswoman who has been around for 105 years, Carolyn Maloney. Uh, and they are they both participated in a debate along with somebody else who uh, I have no clue who it is, but uh, I wanted to share this short little exchange from this from the debate uh, uh, this week. 
Should President Biden run again in 2024? Yes. Mr. Nadler. Too early to say it doesn't serve the purpose of the Democratic Party to, to deal with that until after the midterms. Ms. Maloney. I don't believe he's running for re-election. <laughs> <laughs> Good for Carol. Oh, man. I mean, talk about loyalty to your president. <laughs> I, I, you know, they're, 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 did I not call the end of the Biden administration like six months ago? They, they listen to the podcast. That's what it is. Too early to say, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> He's not running again. He's not running again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is a wrap. Episode nine, number 95 in the books. <laughs> Namaste. <laughs> hey.